Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. NL West, SD across the chest, youth movement, really dope ex-prospects, Big Willie, leader of the young pups, they hating on us, watching you them jump up, we ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody, the outfield mad skills, lottie dottie, Austin Hedges throwing out everybody, we at the ballpark, every game's a party, ignorance is bliss, so we never trip, if the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids, EVT is out here broadcasting, EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark. And with me, as always, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? How are you doing? I am doing better. Finally getting over this cold and uh, ready for some news. Yeah, I think we're all waiting for that news. We're like uh, expecting uh, fathers here, just waiting for that uh, that baby to be born, and or I guess in this case, whether or not the we're the father or not, we'll we'll know soon. Um, this podcast is going to be about Shohei Otani. Uh, it's a very hot topic. Uh, Padre Twitter has gone viral over the topic. Uh, Patrick, you want to? Give us the latest uh, that just went down, I guess, a couple hours ago. Yeah, so uh, Padres were last seen to meet with Otani, what was that, last night? And yes. uh, both the Angels and Mariners had acquired a million dollars from the Twins in uh, international bonus pool money. So that puts the, I think both teams are just around, I think between two and three million with the trades. So both teams have about that to spend. Um, so yeah, here we sit. He's met with all the teams. Um, we've heard nothing since then, except for these two teams making moves for more money. So I guess now we wait and see if uh, see if he really doesn't care about money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you know, it's 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 really tough to to get a gauge on 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 him and, and what his true motives are. You you hope that the fact that the Padres weren't left in this was just out of respect because of the agreement they had with with Nippon uh, over the years. Uh, you know, that's, that's something that's kind of crossed my mind and kind of worried me. But he seems he seems like he likes the town. He seems like he likes the idea of coming to a city and kind of being embraced by the whole city and being able to develop and, and grow with a young, burgeoning farm system. So... You know, that's obviously the selling point for the Padres and for A.J. Preller. We'll just have to see whether or not he takes the bait. I mean, yeah, I think everything we've heard makes it seem really realistic that the Padres actually could be the landing spot. I mean, he obviously doesn't care about money. I mean, he's made it clear that much that the fact that the Padres, Dodgers, Giants are even being considered because all those teams have only 300000 to spend. So the fact that they're even on the list, I think you have the Cubs to that as well. I think that goes to show that... Um, Money's not really the issue here. I think it's it's really where he feels most comfortable and what he wants to do. And I think everyone was kind of shocked that New York was out of it so early. But, I mean, it just goes to show that this guy doesn't care about money. He doesn't care about the market. He just wants to find a place where he's comfortable playing. And I mean, exactly. realistically, San Diego's a good place for that. I mean, it's a great place to be. Um, young farm system. Um, uh-huh. Teams looking up. 
he's, he has a chance to kind of be the star here and kind of lead the team and make a name for himself. Um, I, I think yeah. really all the circumstances fit. I mean, the relationships are there. Uh, the Padres have connections in their front office. Uh, so I, I think it makes sense that they're a finalist, and I think there's – I mean, I hate to get my hopes up. But I think there's a real possibility that the Padres could end up signing him after all. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk about the fact that the Angels and Mariners um, collected some extra money this evening. Uh, I think immediate reaction was, oh, shoot, we, we lost him. He's gone. He's, he's, he's gone. He's going to these teams. But I think once uh, it was the Angels that acquired money for – once the second team acquired money, it, it reassured me a little bit that they're kind of just getting their last-ditch effort in, and putting their best foot forward in order to try to woo, woo him and – when I see something like that, it kind of makes me excited, thinking, okay, maybe he's made a decision and it's not either one of those teams, and uh, they're trying to up the ante. I don't know if that puts Texas in the favorite or us in the favorite, or you know, it's, there's so many factors, so it's it's tough to put a gauge on it. We'll just have to, I guess, wait and see. I think that's what's driving everyone nuts right now is the is the fact that we have no idea what he's going to do. Yeah, I think the reaction I saw was a lot of panic because. Oh no, the Mariners have more money, and this must yeah, be like their yeah. final push to sign him. And <coughs> excuse me, after the meetings, he must have like asked for more money, and this was kind of their way of appeasing him. But I think it's quite the opposite. I think it's a desperation play. I think all these teams know um, going out of the meetings, kind of how they did, um, how the reaction was. Um, they obviously probably don't know as much about how other meetings went, and kind of what Otani's thinking, what his representation's thinking. But at the end of the day, you can kind of see. The writing on the wall, in a way. I mean, the Potters had the last meeting. Um, they had the final impression. Kind of, they were the ones that could make that lasting impression. And to, to me, I think Seattle and Los Angeles are kind of doing a final push to to get more money and make themselves more viable. But at the same time, it's like I don't see how them having a million dollars more is really going to push the needle much. I mean, the Rangers have what three and a half million. I think the Mariners have two point five. Angels have two point three or something like that. So. It's really not that big of a difference, and um, obviously we had Dennis Lynn tweeting that the endorsements for Otani in Japan currently yes. already exceed what he would make even with the Rangers. So, well, and, exceed and, that. So, and, and when he get, does get to the major leagues, this guy's going to be a sensation. I mean, he's going to be in commercials. He's going to be endorsements. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be making lots of money outside of simple salaries. So. Yeah, exactly. I really don't think it's going to make or break that the Mariners and Angels have a million more dollars to, to throw his way. I mean, if that was the case, he would have signed with Minnesota weeks ago, or I shouldn't say weeks ago, days ago, and that would have been the end of it because Minnesota had yeah. the most money. So. Exactly. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I just don't getting see off, that getting off topic. Issue. Getting off topic, let's talk Let's talk about the Twins and what a job their front office did in, in dealing their – their money, their extra money, which they obviously couldn't use on Atani, and gathering for decent prospects in return for it. So, you know, I, shout out to the Twins front office for for being creative, uh, a la AJ Preller, and, and getting something done like that. Yeah, that's smart as hell. I mean, they saw that Otani wasn't going to sign with them, obviously. Um, yeah. They weren't going to use that money elsewhere. I mean, that money exactly. was gotten for that purpose. So they turned it into a fifth-round draft pick and a third-round draft pick, two guys uh, I think they were both from last year's draft, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's no, a great way to buy draft picks. I mean, you can't really buy draft picks, but in this case, they kind of did in a way. So, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty be, smart you, move to make. For sure, for sure. You know, folks, it, it's it's difficult this time. I think 
the tiny sweepstakes and who wins that that is definitely going to factor in and, and change the landscape of the free agency market and, and trade market for that matter. Uh, the Padres are, are probably arguably one of the most affected by this. Uh, let's talk about that, Patrick. If Otani signs with San Diego, do you see them changing gears and, God forbid, <coughs> signing an Eric Cosmer to $120, $150, 160000000 contract and uh, going out and signing Zach Kosar? Do you see them doing that, or do you think this is just going to be a subtle move, kind of just let him build with the young uh, chemistry that they've already developed? Yeah, I think you could argue either way. I think part of me says, yeah, they could go out and sign Hosmer and maybe try to trade for Stanton or something crazy and kind of push the needle. But, I mean, if you look where they sat in 2015 and they kind of, or I should say 2014, uh, the offseason, they, they made those same kind of moves and that ended up being a mistake. So I think this front office is a little wary of kind of, I guess, pulling the trigger too early. I, I know ownership's probably all on board. I mean, Ron Fowler would be all on board with pushing in and spending money, but I think that, um, I think AJ Pro is a little more wary of kind of pulling the trigger too early. Uh, I, I think Otani definitely changes the uh, the game plan. I think it moves up the timetable, but I'm not sure it leads to a flurry of moves this offseason. I mean, I think they are at least somewhat serious about Eric Hosmer, for, for better or for yeah, worse. It, it, that just does not seem to go away, and it's it's... I don't know. I mean, I, I like Hosmer, but I'm not. I just really do not want this team to get in financially obligated to a player for five, six years at, at that type of money. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really like Hosmer. I mean, if if if, he was, if they could sign him for four or five years and like eighty million, I'd probably be on board. But if it's contract closer to like yeah. one hundred fifty million, like I would want no part of that. But I mean, I, I could see the line of thinking. Um, for, for all I've heard, he's a good clubhouse guy. Um, he's kind of a yeah. leader, but I don't really whoa, put those, too whoa, much... Whoa, those are things usually... Yeah, yeah I don't put too much usually... stock into that sort of stuff, so I, I wouldn't pay an extra 50, 60 million simply because of those things. I mean, I'd rather someone like Carlos Santana, who's probably going to be a bargain. He's a little older, yeah, but... Exactly. <laughs> I think he makes more sense if if you're so content, if you're so intent on signing a first baseman and potentially moving Will Myers, so... Um, I think that would be a better move. And as for Zach Kozar, I think... Uh, I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about Zach Kozar. I mean, that's that's kind of a weird one. I mean, potentially yeah, it could be good. you got a shortstop to fill the void until Tatis gets up. But at the same time, it's like, how much money are you willing to give a guy who very well could be declining rather soon? I mean, he's a little older. So it's yeah, definitely a risky yeah. proposition. Shortstops are... That's one position where uh, the skills, at least in the field, decline rather quickly. So a lot of those guys end up moving off short. So exactly, know. exactly. And, and you know, Kosar's a decent player, and he's had a great career. But it, it would not surprise you at, at age of thirty-four for him to come in next year and, and completely fall on his face. I mean, that would not be totally out of the realm of possibility. So when you're talking about investing three, four, three or four years at thirty, forty million dollars to someone like that, it's you know that's the type of stuff that the Padres need to stay away from at this point. They're not they're not built to compete just yet. You want to spend that money on complimentary players when the team is close. And at this point, they're not close. You know, I'd rather them spend a, a year on some garbage guy, for lack of better words, and, and just put him out there. Yeah, like I've said before, I think you need to wait one more year. And next offseason, I think is going to be telling. I mean, at that point, you'll have hopefully Tatis and Urias up, or at least close to being up full time. You'll have most of your pitching staff from Double A, I think, at least knocking on the door. 
I think that really gives you a good idea of how many guys you have at the major league level and kind of how everyone else is progressing and what positions you need to fill and where you're going from there. So I think another year is really where you want to be at. I don't think that now is the time to really start adding those parts. And I think there's more available next offseason as well than there is now. Definitely. So, definitely. Um, definitely. I think there's more opportunity then. Definitely. I mean, they, it's, it's just a tough thing. And I think the obviously the Otani situation is going to, going to dignify what exactly the Padres do in the next couple months. I mean, it's just, it's tough. Let's talk about a little more and get into a little more in depth about uh, Shohei Otani. How many at-bats do you think the Padres can realistically get him um, Uh, for a full season? So, just doing math, I mean, if if you say he starts 25, 30 times, um, that's about 75 to 100 at-bats right there, just being in the pitching staff. Um, mm-hmm. Then say he plays... I really can't see him playing in the field more than two or three days a week. So that's yeah. another, what, 10 at-bats a week. Um, so quick math. I got to do some math. Sorry. No. <laughs> do you think... Okay, you know, obviously they're going to have a handful of American League games and, and DH ability. Do you think they're... Is he an automatic throw out there for a DH? I mean, obviously, it's going to depend on whether or not they're facing a tough lefty or, or whatever. But, you know, I just, I'm, I'm wary of, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to find enough at-bats for him. You know, obviously, a 102-mile-per-hour fastball and the off-speed deliveries, uh, off-speed arsenal that he has, he's, he's, you're going to want to throw him out there every five days or six days as a pitcher. So, you know, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm still... A little concerned about the National League thing and, and whether or not you want to put him out there and, and risk injury at this point. Yeah, I mean, he batted 380. He had 382 plate appearances in 2016 and 231 last year, although he had some injuries last year. So mm-hmm. I can't see him batting more than about 300 times. I'd say yeah, probably that's... 250 to 300. That's with playing okay. two or three days a week. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, don't, I don't see them going beyond that. I mean, this is a guy who needs to adjust to big league play. I mean, he, he obviously pitched in Japan, but they just, they don't play the same number of games and there's not the same amount of travel that there is in Major League Baseball. So, I think it's going to take some time for him to to adjust and um, I think you got to kind of take it slow. I think the first few, few months he might not even play much in the field at all. I mean, yeah, yeah. being a National we- League player, if he ends up being a National League player, that gives him at bats. So at least he he bats three times a game every time he starts, and maybe you can, I think I think the main thing is they, they can pinch hit him a lot. So late in mm-hmm. games where he's not starting, he can pinch hit. I mean that's not going to affect his uh, schedule too much in terms of pitching and kind of his off days. So I, I think I think yeah, two hundred fifty to three hundred uh, at bats is probably fair. Um, but yeah, I can't see, I can't see much more than that. Yeah, I wish I was a fly on the wall in these meetings to kind of understand and know what is it that he expects, what is it that he wants to do. Does he want to play five days out of the week and then pitch a day and then get a day off? I mean, is that what he's telling teams? You know, what kind of, you know, what is he telling these teams and, and what is their response? And I think a lot of that is going to going to be who ends up winning this guy. You know, <laughs> Chris, Christian Beth, Bethencourt and, and the experiment the Padres did last season is kind of something that's slightly mentioned uh, when, des- when discussing Otani. But that type of flexibility and that type of experimental usage of a player is something that might appeal to him. The fact that the Padres are willing to 
do something like that. So, you know, it, it's really tough to say. You know, shit, for the, the, the amount of time that we recorded this podcast, he could have signed already, right? Oh, don't worry. Uh, I've, you, I've been checking. You, uh, I've been trolling okay, Twitter. Good. Nice. Okay, there you I go. I troll Twitter so, while we podcast, and I think great. we're okay. Um, <laughs> but, I, yeah, I, I mean... It, it, I don't think the, the Christian Bethencourt experiment, Bethencourt experiment plays too much into it because okay. if you look at how it ended, I mean, they kind of gave up on it pretty... I mean, they didn't give up on it, but they sent him to the minor leagues pretty quick, so... Yeah. I don't yeah. think that inspires much confidence. It kind of says, like, if it doesn't work out, we're going to kind of give up. So, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't blame them for doing that. It made sense to do that, but I don't know if that really, like, inspires too much confidence in Otani at this point that they kind of moved on that so quick. Um, but at the same time, I think it, it does show him that they are, they've been open to that idea in the past, and yeah, I think yeah. that's important for him to at least be open to the idea. And if, yeah, if he doesn't perform, something's going to have to change, but if he can perform in both roles, there's really no reason to see why he wouldn't be able to do both, barring, exactly. I mean, barring overuse and potential injury, but if they can condition him right and keep him in shape and not risk injury, I think it, it's definitely something that's possible. We obviously no. haven't seen it before, but there's a first time for everything. Yeah, I mean, what what he's doing is is arguably the the first person to attempt this in 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 a hundred years. I mean, Babe Ruth in nineteen seventeen, nineteen eighteen, nineteen nineteen season pitched and and hit for the Red Sox, but you know his numbers went up with the bat and his innings went down on the mound. You know, obviously Babe Ruth was a big guy. Conditioning has to be a factor. There's players that have done this. Rick Ankiel's done this recently, but he never did it at the same time. So there's a lot of pressure on this young man, and, and you have to admire him for sticking to his guns and knowing what he wants and finding the perfect situation for him to excel because it, it sounds like he wants to excel. He has long-term goals in this game of baseball. It's not just... You know, be recognized, make some money, and get out of here. He wants to be arguably recognized as one of the best players in the history of the game. So he, why not find the perfect situation in order to cultivate those talents? So, and that's the kind of guy you want on your team too. You don't want a guy who just gets exactly. money and is there to pick up a paycheck. I mean, you want a guy that's committed to the team and committing to be the best he can be and leading this team into the future. So, for sure, for that's sure, the kind of guy you want to have on your team and. Hopefully, the Padres can have another team. Nope. Yeah, it's it's a it's a wonderful thing. Um, I'm presently writing a piece where I think where, you know, this is this is good for Major League Baseball. If he's able to sign with the Padres, uh, I've heard numerous amount of uh, <laughs> national pundits say that you know it's great for the game of baseball if he was able to sign with San Diego because we've been such a long forgotten, neglected franchise for such a long time. Someone like him for the next half a decade is going to revitalize this team and the city, and uh, you know we can all hope and pray. Yeah, I think it's important that as much as people say, "Oh, he should play in a big market," I think it's important for having these kind of guys play in these smaller markets and bring that yeah. sort of attention to baseball in those markets yeah. that isn't always there. I think that's just good for the game of baseball to to yeah, grow those exactly. markets. You can never have exactly. enough good baseball markets, so. Exactly, and, and if he would go to a Yankees or a, a Red Sox team, he, he would uh, kind of be lost in the shuffle. Where the the what he's trying to accomplish is going to be nationally recognized. If he played on any team, he's going to get recognition. He's going to get national 
uh, awards. He's going to get money thrown at him everywhere. So he's not worried about the, the signing contract and the money that he gets up front because he knows that if he's able to be successful, the money's <laughs> going to be there, the fame's going to be there, and the rest will take care of itself. So I really admire the way he's gone about this situation and the way he's kind of uh, narrowed down his, his search for teams. And it's not just because the Padres are in there. It's, it's because he's shown a lot of compassion and a lot of uh, just love for the game of baseball, and, and I definitely appreciate that. As do I. So what do you uh, – right. before we get out of here, what do you put the odds at that he signs with San Diego? I want to say like three to one. Three to one. I, I, I want to say fifty-fifty, just but that's just as me being a, a positive Padre fan. Um, I, I think it's down between the three American League West teams and us when it's all said and done. I, I don't think San Francisco or the Dodgers are a, a fit for him at this point. I would say. I would give it a sixty percent chance of him signing with San Diego, and I think nice. Se- I think Seattle's probably. I want to give Seattle like twenty five or thirty percent, and I think Texas is still like a dark horse. So yes, I agree. That's where I'm I at agree. right now. I think the rest of the teams. I think LA's too big of a market. San Fran, I think, kind of the same thing in terms of baseball, and then yeah, uh, Chicago. I don't, right. I don't see that being a fit, and then the Angels, you, kind of similar thing. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> well. It's uh, it's going to be interesting this next couple days, this next week. Hopefully, he doesn't take until the twenty first. Is that what he has to to decide? I think it's the twenty second. Yeah. Well, hopefully, he doesn't take that long. I have a feeling that uh, at the very least, he's going to narrow it down in the next day or, or two. So, we will definitely look forward to that. Uh, thank you, folks, for joining us on this quick little Otani podcast. Uh, we thought it was necessary to to put this out. We both had some free time this evening, so. Um, thank you so much for the listen. We will actually be back tomorrow with a special guest. Um, Patrick, anything else before we get out of here? Nope, just uh, keep hoping for the best, guys. Stay stay optimistic. Don't start getting pessimistic on me. Yeah, exactly. Wow, and that's Mr. Positive Brewer saying that, so you guys really I know, it's to... come from me. It means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Must be the cold medicine. Seriously, I've been uh, <laughs> drugged up for like a week straight, so... <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Uh, We will be back, like I say, uh, probably tomorrow with a special guest, uh, national sports guy. It's going to – I never like to reveal our guests until the the day of the show, but uh, you'll definitely want to check out tomorrow's show. Patrick, uh, go ahead and send us out. Uh, I feel like I'm missing something, like we were supposed to talk about something, but – No, I think it's just. I think Otani is just – Shohei is everything. Uh, yeah, at this point he is. I can't even think anything else. Yeah, we're uh, hosted on Podbean. Uh, you can follow us on there. Give us a rating. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, um, Stitcher, Podbean. Podbean, I already said that. Uh, we're everywhere. <laughs> um, you can find us on Twitter, James EBT underscore news, EBT underscore J Clark. Um, I am Patrick Brew 93 and we are East Village Times. Thank you so much, folks. East Village Times Podcast, signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EBT Podcast. Padres EBT Podcast.